Welcome to Filmy Girls Idolcast. Hit it! Today was Kansha Kangeki Ame Arashi, originally released as a single on November 8, 2000, performed live by Arashi on Music Station on February 1, 2019, just a few days after the press conference announcing their upcoming hiatus. <laughs> The lyrics go like this. Smile again, kimi ga ite. Smile again, ureshi yo. Iwanai de keto, hajimete no fukai ito oshisawa. Arashi. Smile again, you are here. Smile again, I'm happy. You don't have to say it, but the first deep loveliness is a storm, aka Arashi which means storm. This is the final chapter of season one of the Idol cast, and please forgive me if things become a jumble because they had to do some fast rewriting due to the previously mentioned hiatus press conference. I should title this episode Goodbye and Hello, because this final chapter will tell two stories. One is of the unlikely rise of Bangtan Sonyeondan as a global force. The other is the collapse and, I hope, rebirth of Johnny's and Associates. When I left off in 2015 at the end of episode 9, across the Sea of Japan slash East Sea, EXO and Bangtan Sonyeondan were emerging from under Big Bang's shadow as the next big boy groups of Korea. But in Japan, Johnny's and Associates had been in a holding pattern for what seemed like mm, forever. Smop and Arashi reigned the entertainment scene, and that was it. Or 
that was it until 2016. There had been rumblings of tension between SMAP and their management and the Johnnies and Associates leadership for years, getting louder as Johnny himself stepped back from the daily running of the company. And this included things like an infamous 2015 interview given by Johnny Kitagawa's sister Mary, vice president of Johnnies and Associates, in which she bluntly stated that SMAP couldn't dance and all but said that the agency didn't need them. And rumor has it that she did tell this to SMAP and their management, who began making In 2015, the year that all of this was boiling under the surface, SMAP released two utterly amazing double A-side singles, continued to have one of the top-rated variety shows with the long-running SMAP SMAP, released a best-selling concert DVD of the previous year's Mr. S Tour, were brand ambassadors for Universal Studios Japan, among other things, Kimura, Kusanagi, and Inagaki all starred in very popular dramas, and of course, Nakai and Katori had numerous variety shows between the two of them. SMAP may have been pushing well into their 40s at this point, but they were still very popular, well-liked, and clearly still both generating income and creating good music. Why on earth would Mary be trying to push out one of her top-selling acts? Yeah, well, um, only Mary can answer that. Among Johnny's watchers, the widely accepted story is that SMAP's manager, Ijima Michi, had accumulated too much power thanks to her savvy handling of the legendary boy group, as well as with other boy groups like the popular Kiss My Foot 2. And Mary and her daughter Julie, also an executive at Johnny's and Associates, strange coincidence, right? Felt threatened by this. During these years, Johnny's and Associates was divided into two factions the Ijima side, and the Julie slash Mary side. SMAP and the other Ijima groups did not appear with Arashi and the other Julie groups. The wall could not be breached. At one point, SMAP were even rumored to be leaving the company as a group with Ijima. Call it a Jackson. But at the last minute, Kimura allegedly got cold feet and the plan was called off. In the end, official as of December 31st, 2016, Kimura and Nakai would remain at Johnny's and Associates. Katori, Inagaki, and Kusanagi would leave. SMAP had been around for over 25 years. For some fans that had to represent a significant portion of their lives, watching SMAP on television, supporting their stage plays and advertising campaigns, attending concerts, bonding with friends over their love of SMAP, SMAP were national idols in every sense of the word. SMAP breaking up was a big deal in capital letters. To say goodbye and celebrate the legendary group as well as demonstrating their still 
considerable power and force, SMAP fans bulk purchased the 2003 single Seikai no Hitotsu Daki no Hana, pushing it back into the charts. The song eventually ranked in as the number 12 best-selling single of 2016, behind Tarashi, but far, far ahead of the other Johnny's and Associates groups. But if Mary regretted her actions, it was too late. As 2017 dawned, there was only one boy group left at the summit of Japanese show business, Arashi. Meanwhile, over in Korea, as 2017 dawned, the kings of the K-pop scene, Big Bang, were preparing to go on something of a hiatus themselves as members began mandatory military service, starting with T.O.P. in February, who would step up to take their crown. In one corner, we have EXO, who were working from the now standard idol group playbook, cranking out one catchy song after another, while the members also started making names for themselves as individuals, appearing on variety shows, starring in dramas. Their singles from this era, 2015 up until the comeback before this last one, were mostly produced by English duo London Noise, who began working with SM Entertainment in 2015 and have created something of a new house sound for SM. Brighter, crisper, discoier, songs that explode into orgasmic choruses, with the beat always kept loud and clear beneath everything else. These songs are made for the kind of intricate, angular dances that EXO specializes in. These songs are good pop songs. corner was Bangtan Sonyeondan, who had completely shaken off the dust of their first couple of years and came into 2016 enjoying a well-deserved boost in popularity thanks to their two excellent mini-albums from 2015, The Best Moment in Life Parts 1 and 2. While EXO cranked out catchy song after catchy song, Bangtan Sonyeondan, working with a much tighter budget, repackaged their previous releases and worked on building their fanbase online and in the West, appearing at KCON in Los Angeles, in New York, and in France that year.
Now, KCON refers to a series of globally held festivals of all things Korean pop culture and consumer products, run by one of the biggest media companies in South Korea, and it's an invaluable marketing opportunity for idol groups. A golden chance to showcase their music, performance skills, and personalities in front of a very welcoming foreign audience. An audience that doesn't have to be sold on the concept of a Korean band singing in Korean. Audiences who already know the way that Korean Idol fandom works and who like it. Bangtan Sunyeondan, calling themselves BTS now, absolutely brought their A-game to America that summer with new hype song, Fire. Fire! And when their album Wings was released on October 10th, 2016, four different versions, Bangtan flew right to the top of the chart and stayed there. It was the number one selling Korean album of 2016, selling almost as many copies worldwide as Japan's top group Arashi did in Japan that year. It doesn't get any bigger than that. While Fire had gotten the export market singing along, the song that really gave a boost to Bangtan's status at home was the lovely mid-tempo ballad, Spring Day. Emotional and lyrically meaningful, with no catchy English chorus for the foreigners, listening to Spring Day feels like dipping your bare feet into a winter-chilled ocean on an early spring day. This isn't export K-pop. This is just Korean pop music. Full of the type of traditional nature metaphors that any listener, even those over a certain age, would immediately understand and connect with. And like the best Korean ballads, it's full of longing and melancholy, and yes, those jazz tensions. Bogo shipta. The hook repeats on the chorus. I miss you. Yeah. 
were still very much in the export K-pop idol ghetto, generating sales from enthusiastic fans worldwide, but not really getting anywhere near to the mainstream domestic penetration that Big Bang had had. And here's what I mean. Popular R&B singer Zico, a member of boy group Block B, ranked in at number 7 on the streaming chart for 2016 with 80 million streams of the catchy I Am You, You Are Me. EXO managed to hit number 61 with Monster, and Bangtan? They clocked in at 85 with Fire. Zico is popular in Korea, but his boy group Block B is, and was, nowhere near the top sellers among like export K-pop groups. While I'm sure Zico has some dedicated streamers, this ranking mostly just represents a lot of regular people listening to I Am You, You Are Me uh, a lot. And honestly, who can blame them? The song rocks. But Spring Day made it to number 18 on the annual 2017 streaming charts. 13 on the annual 2017 download chart. Number 26 on the 2018 annual download chart. Finally, finally! Bangtan had escaped the idol ghetto and cracked through to the mainstream market at home. One thing to note as these groups enter 2017 is that at this point, Bangtan Sonyeondan pretty much stops doing normal idol stuff on television. No drama roles, no popping up on Knowing Brothers or Weekly Idol. If you turn on the television in Korea, there is a 0% chance right now of seeing something like a BTS member Suga bantering with shiny member Ki about Daegu slang expressions, or catching BTS member Jin breaking hearts as a secondary male lead in a romantic drama. The group does publish some fun behind-the-scenes content on YouTube, as well as their own self-produced variety show on Korean platform VLive, but it's not like EXO, where almost all of the current members had drama roles, some of them very popular drama roles, in 2018. But the mainstream West isn't watching Korean television. In 2017, as Bangtan began their global tour for Wings, the momentum they'd started generating in the West, in America, just grew and grew. The global Bangtan Sonyeondan fanbase, known collectively as ARMY, Adorable Representative MC for Youth, was organized and had learned how to use Twitter and social media in order to whip votes which, as we learned in the last episode, is really important. In ARMY, their engagement with the group and the potential sales they represented in the United States had clearly made a loud enough impression on the industry watchers at Billboard magazine that in April 2017, the group was nominated for the Top Social Artist Billboard Award, a fan-voted award that had been carried by Justin Bieber since its introduction in 2011. And then in May 2017, the group showed up in Las Vegas, Nevada to collect their prize. 
Army, our fandom, thank you very much. You know, we still cannot believe that we're standing here on this stage at the Billboard Music Awards. Oh my gosh. And it is so great to see all the artists we admire and feel honored to be in this category with such great artists, you know, like right in front of us. It's really honored. And most importantly, this award belongs to the every people all around the world that shine the love and light on us by the millions and make BTS proud really every day. And please, Army, remember what we say, love myself, love yourself. 정말 사랑하고 감사합니다. 더 멋진 방탄소년단 되겠습니다. Thank you, Billboard, for supporting us. Thank you. Like the Beatles conquering America in 1964 in the wake of President Kennedy's assassination, Bangtan Sonyandan had arrived on the scene just as the large and diverse nation was looking for a distraction from the long and very fraught 2016 presidential election and the following uh, inauguration. And the entertainment media ate it up, helped along by the fact that Bangtan had a secret weapon, something the other groups who tried and fizzled in America did not have. A member who spoke pretty good colloquial English without an Asian accent and who could talk to the media without the help of an interpreter. It may be hard to remember back this far now, but in 2017, early 2017, your options for music news were like a mass shooting at a country music concert, terrorist attack at an Ariana Grande show, and whoops, a Lord of the Flies situation at the Fire Festival. When your other option for a feel-good success story was badly behaved, tattooed teenage SoundCloud rapper Lil Pump and his inexplicable earwormy mega-hit Gucci Gang, well, who wouldn't decide to write a few column inches on the seven colorfully dressed, smiling, dancing boys in their very enthusiastic fanbase? Later that year, Bangtan Sonyandan would be the first K-pop act since Psy to appear on Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve, probably the biggest get for a musician in terms of an American audience outside of, like, the Super Bowl halftime show. And the momentum kept going through 2018. Appearances on award shows, late night talk shows, mainstream radio play, and even a speech at the United Nations. Bangtan Sonyandan, or other BTS, were becoming household names not just in America, but all over the world. But it was not all sunshine and roses for the seven members of BTS. With increased mainstream exposure in the West and a new status as national representatives came a whole host of new pressures. And here's where I'm gonna get a little deep. I've spent almost 20 years kicking around various Asian media fandoms and it's been wild seeing some of the reactions from the newest BTS fans as they dip their toes into Korean Idol fandom, let alone the reactions from American music and entertainment journalists who think their personal tastes are objective fact. For better or worse, Western journalists who might never have cared about a Korean boy group before. I mean, all those flashy costumes and thrusting seems a little gay, don't you think? Well, they could now approvingly write about how BTS talked about mental health and identity and how this meant they were different from those other stupider, gayer groups that did not talk about those things. 
Uh, yeah, well, but Bangtan are a Korean idol group. And here's the thing, despite being made for export, K-pop still operates in a very different cultural space than Western music and Western fandoms. Men can look good and know how to dance without having their manhood called into question. Hard work and respect for elders are considered good things, not bad ones. And individuality is not automatically a virtue. Despite their success in the West, a new English-friendly acronym name, Bangtan Sonyeondan were and are still a Korean group operating in a Korean context. There is a huge cultural dissonance at play. And while the upside of BTS going mainstream in America is getting Bantan Sonyeondan CDs into the music section of a local Target in like Illinois where absolutely anyone can buy them, the downside is that all of those new fans were coming up against cultural barriers that didn't exist with a group like One Direction or NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys. And neither side necessarily knew or understood how to navigate this new terrain. New fans arrogantly demanded that the entire group learn to speak English perfectly, and either ignored or dismissed other Korean boy groups as irrelevant, and their fans as K-poppies, not even considering that maybe BTS counted members of those groups as their friends, respected them as colleagues or industry seniors. This attitude wasn't the normal intergroup fan battles, which, you know, they do get nasty. I mean, but BTS's longtime fans had been mocked for years for supporting a flop group, and so yeah, they can perhaps be forgiven for gloating a bit when BTS started gaining success. But this attitude? This was a brushing off of BTS's Korean culture and their place in the Korean entertainment industry. And Namjoon's English fluency also brought with it the implication that he and the group were also culturally fluent, so to speak, and that just wasn't the case. The American media conversation right now is dominated by questions of identity, and there's just no way that a group of seven Korean men, most of them born and raised in the provincial parts of the country, could have any real understanding of the complicated cultural narrative they were stepping into. How could they understand that as soon as they landed in Los Angeles, they became part of that broad cross-section of ethnicities that we in America call Asian? and they'd be expected to stand in as representation for all Asian American men. That their love of American hip-hop and R&B music and of African American culture would be seen as problematic and appropriative by some. That their white fans would also get accused of being problematic and appropriative in return. That their K-pop styling and affectations would be coded as gay in America that they'd be asked about and expected to take a stand on a wide variety of issues that had zero cultural equivalence or relevance where they were from, that fans would comb through translations of their lyrics and interview transcripts, looking for proof that their favorite group shared all of their exact same opinions on things like gendered pronouns, which, I mean, the Korean language doesn't even use gendered pronouns. That when Bangtan brought up Western artists they'd long admired from afar, that these artists might have mm, less than desirable reputations. We don't talk anymore. We don't talk anymore. We don't talk anymore like we used to do. We don't love anymore. We was all of it for. We don't talk anymore like we used to do. I mean, I was.
was excited for my favorite member of Bangtan, Golden Maknae Jungkook, when he got to do a duet with his songwriting hero, Charlie Puth, because he was excited. And yet, Charlie Puth? Ugh. But how could I expect Jungkook, a 21-year-old kid from Busan who had basically been working non-stop since he was 15, to know that his hero and new friend Charlie is a misogynist asshole who allegedly uh, all but called Kesha a liar when she made serious rape allegations against producer Dr. Luke. Jungkook dislikes Charlie's songs. We can't expect Jungkook to know about the nastiness and misogyny in some corners of the American music business. These are the questions that come up when K-pop emerges from the comfortable subculture of K-con and into the mainstream American conversation. I find this tension so stressful that it's gotten to the point where I get a gross anxiety dread like in my chest every time I see that BTS will, for example, be appearing on a western television program or magazine. And yeah, let's just say I have the hashtag BTSXGrammys muted on both of my Twitter accounts. And moving into the future, I'll be interested to see if Big Hit Entertainment and BTS find it worth the headaches and stress to continue actively pursuing mainstream America, or if they're going to quietly sit back and return to the K-pop subculture bubble, hopefully taking some of the new fans with them. We don't talk anymore. We don't talk anymore like we used to do. We don't love anymore. What of And the reason I bring this up is not just because I love a good rant, although anyone who's met me before knows I do love a good rant, but at one of the end of the year award shows in December 2018, BTS member Jin dropped a bomb. He said that they'd seriously considered breaking up earlier that year, that the stress and pressure and unhappiness were too much. And this puts the unexpectedly emotional encore from the Wings' final concert on December 10th, 2017 into perspective. If BTS had decided differently, that might well have been their final performance. I'm a poor I'm a 
I've discussed this in previous episodes, but the pressure put on these men, these national idols, is insane. I told the story of the anti-fan who poisoned and almost killed DBSK's Yuno, and of Big Bang member T.O.P.'s collapse and hospitalization from overwork. Well, 2017 also had two major tragedies that shook Korean Idol fans, or at least this Korean Idol fan to their very cores. After T.O.P. had entered the military to begin his mandatory military service, it came out that he was being charged with criminal marijuana use. And this isn't a big deal to those of us in America, or in Europe or the UK, but for a Korean, it's huge. Remember back to episode 4 with the cannabis wave of arrests that sent numerous musicians to jail for exactly this. After he was taken into custody, T.O.P. overdosed on anti-anxiety medication, and he was hospitalized and in a coma. Fans were shocked and upset. We couldn't lose one of the beloved members of Big Bang, a soft-spoken, wickedly funny Sunghyun. Well, T.O.P. woke up and was able to make it through the trial, where he pled guilty, and he's going to be discharged later than he should have been, but still, he's alive, <laughs> in June of this year, and we don't know yet if he's going to return to celebrity life. I mean, we assume he will, but really, who knows? And then, a few months later, on December 18th, 2017, shiny member Kim Jong-hyun took his own life. And I cannot stress enough how big of an impact this had on idol fans across the globe. I haven't talked about them yet, but I love Shiny. I've loved Shiny for years. While they were never the most popular group, they are a group that is well known, well liked, and who have a large and enthusiastic fan base in Korea and in Japan. Kim Jong-hyun was not only one of their main vocalists, but also a talented songwriter in his own right, and a very kind person by all accounts. He'd even completed a new solo album shortly before his death, and it was released posthumously in January 2018. Jung-hyun's suicide note, released by a friend a few days after his passing, spoke to the pressure he was under. I wanted someone to notice my suffering, he wrote but no one knew. It took me a full year to be able to listen to his final album.
jump back to Japan, where in 2017 we left Johnny's and Associates with Arashi as their one remaining supergroup. Well, it's recently been revealed that 2017 was just around the time that Arashi member Ono Satoshi had grown tired of show business and wanted to return to something of a private life. He discussed it with the other members, who decided that rather than go on as a four-member unit, they would complete their current obligations put on a hell of a goodbye tour, and then go on hiatus as a group in 2020. And that's just what they're doing. And honestly, as sad as it makes me to think that I'll never get to see Arashi in concert, more power to them, and to their fans, who have been pretty understanding all things considered, even trending a hashtag, Onokunonatsuyasumi, or Ono Summer Vacation. So where does that leave Johnny's and Associates? Senior group V6 are still trucking along, recently appearing with their same age cohort, the Backstreet Boys, on Music Station. Tokyo lost bass player Gusen in a truly disgusting scandal involving teen girls. Our old friends Katun from episode 5 are a shell of themselves with three members remaining. member news are also dogged by rumors of inappropriate relationships with young women.
Taylor Mintier group Kanjani 8 had their main singer quit to go live his best life in New York. More power to you too, Tsubaru. Best wishes. Um, and they have another member dealing with very severe health problems. And really, my blessings, Yasu. Kiss My Foot too. me maybe, but they're also pretty deep in the idol ghetto and are getting older. Johnny's West are youngish and have fun songs, but have yet to break out of the Osaka comedy mold. And yes, believe me, there's going to be an episode in season two on the Osaka groups. groups by age, five-member Sexy Zone, and six-member King and Prince, each with one member on hiatus to deal with anxiety disorder. And again, Genki, oh, Matsushima, so, Sokun, please get well soon. Sexy Zone debuted in 2011 with a ridiculous name and an even more ridiculous debut song best performed as they did in their first music station performance, wearing princely all-white outfits and clutching microphones that had red, red roses taped to them. The choreography is simple enough that even youngest member, 11-year-old Marius Yo, could do it. Having lots of big swooshy hand gestures and climaxes with a drop beat and a deadly, serious whispered, sexy rose, from the group's center the very gentle voiced Satoshori. This song is one of my favorites to sing at karaoke. I 
adore Sexy Zone. Although the boys were very young when they debuted, they've had the advantage of working closely with their talented seniors both on and off stage. Sexy Zone remained on junior program Shonen Club long after they debuted, getting real help and guidance from ABCZ, especially from my favorite member, Kawai Fumito, who became the host of the program. あ、俺こっちの角度の方が高いんだ。いやいや、知らないっすよ。知らねえよ。やったできた。一緒にできた。よし。中島健とコンプリート次は勝利だ。And the boys also worked with yes, Arashi. Rebellious Kikuchi Fuma in particular seems to have benefited from his friendship with the formerly rebellious now the nation's favorite son-in-law, Arashi member Sakurai Sho. Sexy Zone have a good dynamic, they put out really good pop music, and their performances are excellent. I have yet to be disappointed by a Sexy Zone release and I am picky. All the boys are immensely likable. Member Nakajima Kento has developed a delightfully funny smarmy prince character for a variety show work, and half-German, half-Japanese Marius Yo now 18, speaks English and even appeared on American television show Fuller House playing a hunk. All they need is a bit of that Matsutune in Hanayori Dango type luck. <laughs>
all in their early 20s, who debuted in 2018, but began life as sort of a mashup of two three-member junior groups, Mr. King and Mr. Prince. And I know, yes, it's a ridiculous name, but when Ariana Grande can get a Japanese tattoo that says barbecue grill finger heart, really, who are we to judge? The six members of King and Prince were all popular in their own right as juniors, most of them appearing in stage plays. Member Kishi Yuta was even selected to appear in Domoto Koichi's prestigious long-running stage play Shock, and they've been in dramas, as well as appearing on Shonen Club and the other Johnny's Jr. television programming. Their debut song, Cinderella Girl, spells it all out. This group is princely escapism from humdrum life, and their target audience is both 40-something ladies looking to coo at cute boys, and also teen girls need some photos to stick in their school notebooks. Dopey but handsome Hirano Sho is currently the face of the group and <laughs> he's kind of grown on me like, I don't know, some sort of fungus? I can't explain it, but I really do find him charming. Cinderella Girl was the number 10 best-selling single of 2018, but Japan's boy groups, for the first time, really have some serious competition from Korean boy groups. So I took a look at Oricon's best-selling album chart for 2018, and it is revealing. The highest-ranking boy group is Kanjani 8, with their greatest hits album, right up at number 6. Below them at number 7 is um, BTS with their Japanese album Face Yourself. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
branch on these groups again. Kiss my foot too. Hey, say jump. Uh, ranking in at number 12 is Exile Tribe Group, J Soul Brothers. But then 1418 BTS again with their Korean releases. 19, 21, Exile Tribe, then 24, Sexy Zone. Johnny's West. And then you keep going further down, you see Shiny, Taemin, G-Dragon. Yeah, um, in 2017, SMAP and Arashi were numbers 2 and 3, respectively, on the album chart. And there were two Korean boy groups total in the top 40. DBSK, Big Bang. In 2018, four Korean groups with a grand total of seven albums between them, including three Korean releases. That's import albums ranking into the top album sales charts. It's just insane to this longtime chart watcher. Johnny's and Associates has to be taking a look at this and feeling the heat as more and more Korean groups appear on the horizon, seeming to offer something that Johnny's and Associates hasn't been. What is it? Well, Taki from duo Taki and Tsubasa is moving into producing. He's been given control over the junior groups, and by all appearances, he is on a mission to revitalize the Johnny's brand and take back control of the boy group market. To that end, he's taken a few pages out of the Korean boy group playbook. He's produced a very cool music video for junior group Stones, 
that appears on YouTube, English subtitles. It hasn't put up K-pop style streaming numbers, but then the culture of dedicated streaming doesn't really exist in J-pop fandom. I mean, yet? But even so, it's still racked up about 5 million views. And then there's also the Johnny's Junior Group YouTube channel, where you can see all sorts of things that the Korean groups have been putting up online for years. Bits of fun variety show style nonsense, like eating gross foods, um, dance rehearsals, that kind of thing. Some of this content is the type of stuff that debut groups will put as bonus content on their CD and DVD releases. Now, Taki is making it available online as publicity material. And along with Stones, the other group that's been sort of boiling under the surface for ages, is the inexplicably named Snowman. Um, Snowman are known mostly for their dancing and acrobatics. They've also appeared in numerous films and dramas, as well as in what feels like hundreds of stage plays. Remember, Iwamoto Hikaru is a particularly gifted actor, and Fukuzawa Tatsuya is a real character on variety shows. I have been a fan of theirs for years. And all of this movement with Taki and the Juniors has just been announced, so like, who knows how it's going to turn out. Will the Korean groups take over the Japanese charts? Are we in the twilight of the Johnnies and Associates style? Or is this just a fallow period before the rebirth? Well, stay tuned to find out. And I'm going to close out the season as I began it with Shiny. Shine on Shiny. Shine on Shawals. This is one of my favorite album tracks. You and I, taken from The Story of Light Part 1, which was released this summer, and it was Shiny's first release as a four-member unit. In an interview Shiny gave, they said that they weren't sure if they even wanted to continue, um, if it was worth it, but after a lot of discussion, they decided that they were going to stay a group, and they re-signed with SM. And the result was these three incredible mini albums and six weeks of very intense promotion and i am grateful for every last minute every last song so this is filmy girl signing off for season one um you can now sign up on itunes yay which is exciting uh stay tuned for a couple of roundtable discussion episodes um including one on writing fanfiction then season two will begin in a few months as soon as i compile my playlist and things. So feel free to get in touch with questions and comments. Uh, fill me, F-I-L-M-I dot G-I-R-L at gmail, or you can at me on Twitter. I have it now dedicated uh, at Idlecast Podcast. So, alright, bye-bye. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Yeah.